Crazy Plot Podcast. Welcome all you crazy cats to episode 130 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. You looked less than thrilled by the I was very surprised by the voice that came out of your face. That's my uh, my morning zoo voice. Was it good? No. No, it's not good? Morning zoo? Yeah. Is that a real thing? Yeah, like those irritating morning shows on the radio? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With Billy and the fart. Yeah. The mor- morning hey, zoo. Poppy! <laughs> Is that what this show is missing? Just uh, random sound effects? Stupid sound effects? Tell us in the wah, comments. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did that. Oh, my phone's being used. I can't, I can't do that. Thank God. I can't, I can't use my ham horn either. <laughs> did I play that on the show? I don't think so. I don't know what a ham horn is. <laughs> it literally just goes, ham. <laughs> but Why? <laughs> I want all the ham. <laughs> we literally chased all of them away. <laughs> That's all right. We expected that. We're stupid. Um. Anyway, so this is this is the show. This is the show. <laughs> this is the show. <laughs> We're back for another. At least we entertain each other. <laughs> hey, if you're listening to the show and you're not entertained, fuck you. Are you not entertained? They're like, no, no, I'm not. Not really. But I keep coming back because I love torturing myself. <laughs> um, how's it going, Taylor? It's going pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. What's new? Uh, well, the thing that I wasn't supposed to talk about last episode, I can officially talk about. She's got a new job. Hey, cheese. This is going to be an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Cheese. Cheese. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of uh, money in being an Oompa Loompa here. Uh, I, so I hear. <laughs> More than we make. Yeah. Because we suck. <laughs> like, buy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, this day and age, I, I'm a secure enough man where I don't, I don't care if my wife makes more money than All I do. the same way, man. <laughs> um, as long as I don't have to pay the bills by myself. Exactly. <laughs> anyway... So, uh, nothing new and exciting then. Uh, other than that, not really. Cool. Got a new whack tomorrow. Yeah, you gonna go whack off. I'm gonna I'm gonna go perform for all the whackers. Yeah, just, you know, get in the middle of the ring and just be like, "Hey, welcome to well, welcome whackers. <laughs> Glad you all could join us to whack it. <laughs> but please keep your whacking to yourself." Or, you know, share your whacking with your neighbor. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to be whacking it, too. I'm not a cop. <laughs> um, neat. Uh, yeah, nothing new and exciting for me, I guess. Oh, uh, I'm still raising a puppy, obviously. He, he hasn't died, so that's a plus. <laughs> uh, yesterday, he pissed all over the couch. We have, you've seen our couch. It's a large couch. Yeah. He pissed all over it, all over the couch. Like, uh, it's a sectional. It's, a, it's an L-shaped sectional. So he pissed down one side towards, towards the other. Did he just like walking and peeing? I don't know what he did. But so he also managed to pee on me. Don't know how I missed that. But like, I had him like, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a very small dog. So he was just sleeping on my stomach. And I put, lift him, or picked him up and put him off, off to the side. So I could go to the bathroom, 
and I come back and I just see him like skittering back and forth around the couch looking like he did something wrong. So it's like, what the fuck did you do? And sure enough, there are just little puddles and a stream all up and down this, both sides of the couch. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I kind of put my hands on my side and I feel a wet spot on my shirt. <laughs> like, son of a bitch! Like, how the fuck did you do that? He, he's a very small dog. I don't know how he peed that much. <laughs> he's just holding it in, I guess. I probably looked like a fucking psychopath. If like anybody would have seen me, because <laughs> I popped off my shirt and then I started stripping the couch cushions, like pulling the covers off the couch cushions, just swearing under my breath. If anybody was watching from the outside, I probably would have looked like a fucking maniac. I don't know why, but I just pictured Nicolas Cage doing that. Yeah, I mean, I was, <laughs> I was kind of caging out. I was feeling cagey. Yeah, that cage rage. <laughs> that rage and cage. Um, so that's my life. That's fun. Yeah. Your favorite show's getting canceled finally. Finally. <laughs> yeah. I think they just announced that today. Um Supernatural. Yeah. Next season. Um sorry, Instagram. <laughs> next season uh is gonna be season fifteen and uh let's see Jensen Ackles, Jared Padalecki, and um Misha Collins. Uh, they I think they did like an Instagram video or something announcing that the show was being was, was going to end after season fifteen. So I was talking with my dad, you know, because we're both big fans of it, and uh, we're both surprised because the show had gone for so long that it's just like I kind of thought the show was just going to go forever at this point. <laughs> like I didn't think they had a plan to ever end it. Um, you know, God knows they try to continue the the uh, um, legacy by doing a couple spinoffs, but neither of those ever actually came to fruition, <clears throat> mainly because they sounded like terrible ideas. Yep. Um, <laughs> you remember, so that Wayward Sister show they were going to do? Yeah. Um, that woman I said was going to be the leader and she got her ass kicked all the time? Yeah. She was on an episode this past season. Guess what happened? She got her ass kicked. She got her ass kicked. Oh, my God. It's like... <laughs> Talking to my dad about it because you know he's been on the show multiple times and he he never fucking listens to it. So I have to share things that we talk about with on the show with him, and you know tell him you know she was supposed to be this this fierce leader trying to train these girls to be hunters in the spinoff, but she gets a mud hole stomped in her ass every single time she shows up. It's like she should stop hanging out with the Winchesters because she gets her ass kicked. Like, devastatingly bad. <laughs> like, I need to spend a couple of days in the hospital bad. It sounds like they're a bad influence. She does it to herself, man. <laughs> you know, they, they'll call her up whenever they're in fucking Wisconsin or wherever the fuck she is. And, uh, to you know, she'll help them out. But every time they're like, uh, you know. By she... distracting the villain long enough <laughs> just so they can escape, right? <laughs> It's like, quick, Jody, you, go get punched in the face while we can make a break for it. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, I'm, I'm bummed out about that. You know, the show's been around forever, so it's like, it's not like uh, a show that ran for five seasons. You get really attached to it, um, and then it gets canceled, and you're just like, what the fuck? 
This one's been around for 15 fucking, well, yeah. almost 15 years. Um, and I mean, some of its fans aren't even that old. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's time, you know, I, I still enjoy watching the show, but the storyline has kind of run its course. The shine is gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's still entertaining. Um, the dynamic between Ackles and Padalecki is still fun to watch. Um, but yeah, the show's kind of, the wells run dry. Like they, it's kind of repeating itself now. And anyway, so yeah, I'm bummed, but, um, not too heartbroken. Anyway. Um, so I think we should, before we go any further, uh, do that. Just get all the unfortunate noises out of your system before you get to the picnic. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but no, let's thank some Patreon patrons. Okay. They finance the show. We may as well thank them for it. I suppose. I mean, I guess. Uh, Patreon is a site where you can donate money to projects like us. We're a project. We're, <laughs> we're a work in progress. We're a work in progress. <laughs> Constantly trying to better ourselves. And constantly failing. <laughs> constantly. But, you know, these very faithful few are along for the ride, and they are dedicated to watching us fail every other week. <laughs> uh, those special people are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, <clears throat> The Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and Aaron Meyer. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, your contributions mean the world to us. Um, and, uh, we, we couldn't do it without you. We probably could, but we don't. Yeah. We don't want to. We, we don't, we, we don't, we don't need to. They gave us some money. <laughs> Taylor, <laughs> if anybody else wants to help us out, where can they go? They can go to graveplotpodcast.com. Nope. That's not right. They can go to patreon.com. Then they can do that too. <laughs> they could. There's a link there, <laughs> but, uh, it's easier to just go straight to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast for as little as $1 a month. You can get exclusive content such as video reviews of movies chosen by our Patreon patrons. $5 a month will get your name in the episode. This is the cheapest sponsorship you will find this side of the Great Lakes. Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> and if you give $100, I will get a tattoo of a fat unicorn on my ass. Yeah. If you donate $200, he'll get another one on the other side of his ass. That, I did not agree to that. We're, de- we're committing to it now. I spoke it into existence. <laughs> Uh, cool. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? Not particularly. Okay. You want to talk about this? You want, you want to talk about that? Uh, sure. What do you think about Macon Blair taking over the Toxic Avenger remake? I mean, sure. Macon Bacon. I mean, Green Room was sweet. It was sweet. Uh, I don't know how it translates to Toxic Avenger, but... I don't know either. I mean, the guy clearly knows how to make a suspenseful, captivating movie. Um, did he also do I Don't Want to Live on This Planet Anymore? Yeah, like that show was called. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the one with uh, uh, what's her face, Jane Levy and Rose from Three and a Half Men. That's right, Jane Levy was in that. I forgot, totally forgot she was in that. And Elijah Wood, right? That's yeah, um, yes, he did do that. Um, that was good too. I don't think I finished it, not because I was turned off by it, it's just I started it. Couldn't finish it and then never went back to it. Um, what I saw was fine. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm not sure how uh, how it translates to the Toxic Avenger, but I don't know if they're still planning on doing the like 
gritty re- real realistic remake or I don't know. I mean, you can't Yeah, you, you can't do you that can't do Toxie. that to Toxie. It's so fucking bonkers. You can't make a straight-faced Toxic Avenger movie. It just doesn't work. I mean, you could, but it's like why? Yeah, I mean, I could like try and walk on my hands, but I can't. It, <laughs> it won't work. I'll fall. People and if you laugh. did, people would say that's not how you walk. <laughs> like yeah. you, you've been walking for thirty something years. Like you, you know how to do it. Just do it the way you've always done it. <laughs> that's what works. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but I'm committed to walking on my hands. But you're not good at it. <laughs> but it was so much better before. <laughs> Uh, you know, people say you should always try new things, but in this case, you you just shouldn't. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's not to say he can't do it. I mean, you know, we're going to be talking about us later on in the episode. Jordan Peele made his bones in ho- in comedy, but now he's making horror. Yeah. So, I mean, there are horror elements to Toxic Avenger, um, but it's mostly comedy. If the guy can. Translate to comedy. More power to him. Who's that? Uh, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Hey. She's not watching anymore. Um, well, she didn't see me wave at her. Uh, anyway. See, like I said, I don't know if that's still the plan, if they want to do the, the grounded version, but it's yeah. interesting to see what he does. I hope not. I mean, I can't imagine Kaufman would want to do that. Yeah, but I also think Kaufman would do a lot of things for money. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, so do you maybe just want to get started with stuff? Yeah, let's 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 get started. All right, let's jump into some horror business. Welcome to the part of the show where we do horror business. It's called horror business. Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that clever? You know, at one point I had this idea of doing maybe like a thing on YouTube or something where we take like the news stories that were unfit to print and just, you know, talk about those on a separate thing. You know what I was going to call it? What's that? Too much horror business. <laughs> I see. I see what you're doing. <laughs> Um, but we're not doing that. I mean, maybe we might at some point, but right now, right now we're not doing no, that. No, right now we're just, this is just, this is the regular, this is the regular, this is the right amount of horror business. <laughs> yes. And how do we start horror business? With real world horror. That's right. And in the world of real world horror, that was unnecessary. <laughs> in a world. <laughs> Who wants to talk about Blink-182, guys? Well, not really. N- not 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 the now Blink One Eighty Two. No, I mean not the not the Skiba One Eighty Two, <laughs> not the good one Blink One Eighty Two. <laughs> uh, but no, Tom DeLonge, formerly of Blink One Eighty Two, or you know, on hiatus, if you ask him. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe the fucking guy. Actually, I can't believe a lot of things about this guy. He has gone off the deep end, um, but he has decided, well, been allowed to, I guess, have a TV show on the History Channel. Uh, for those of you that haven't been paying attention, it's about aliens. <laughs> aliens. 
Um, Not saying it's about aliens, but aliens. <laughs> but it's about aliens. Uh, Tom DeLong, who founded the To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science uh, as a means to prove the existence of alien life, will be teaming up with a m- number of former Pentagon officials for a six-part documentary series called Unidentified, colon, Inside America's UFO Investigation. Inside America's colon. <laughs> this town's in need of an enema. Um, oh, and that's trademarked, by the way. <laughs> yeah, apparently the TM is part of the title. <laughs> uh, the show's set to premiere in May at some point. You know, if anybody actually cares. Um, it's going to be uh, EP'd by DeLong himself, and it brings together a number of subjects, subject matter experts to, quote, expose this series, expose a series of startling encounters and embark on a fascinating, or, God damn it, fascinating new investigations that will urge the public to ask questions and look for answers. So, there's that. It's exciting. All right. <laughs> Dude, no, nobody cares. Oh, whatever. Nobody cares about your fucking aliens. Like he sounds like a fucking flat earther. That's what all the flat earthers say. It's like, well, I don't believe the earth's flat, but I think you should look for questions and ask <laughs> ask questions and question why that schools would teach you that. <laughs> what? What are you saying? <laughs> Dude, apparently there there's like a, a plan for a flat earth cruise to the edge of the earth. Oh, and I'm so fucking about it. <laughs> This is like your idea. Like, I know. Put cameras on that shit. Yeah. But like they're paying for it. You could make a they're million ma- they're, dollars. They're using their own money to look for something that doesn't exist. <laughs> and then, you know, best case scenario, they find it and then sail off the edge of the earth. Well, apparently the belief is that there's giant ice walls that are guarded by NASA. Uh, not NASA, Tennessee, like NASA. <laughs> I don't know why I said NASA. <laughs> by NASA. NASA. Uh, NASA soldiers. Huh. Yeah, NASA soldiers. Those are things. That's... <laughs> Sometimes I feel like they're just like making shit up as they go along. But they not... absolutely fucking but analyzing what they're saying before they say it, which is you know pretty par for the course for maniacs. Um, DeLong's team includes former military intelligence officer Luis Elizondo, who will be speaking out for the first time following his claims of having spearheaded the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, a department at the Pentagon lasting from 2007 until 2012 that was dedicated to investigating reports of UFO encounters. The tip. This is... That's a fucking lie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if this guy was... In, like, if this guy is a former military intelligence official, the reason he's not in there anymore is probably because he believes in aliens. <laughs> or, you know, this bullshit. Uh, if he headed up this supposed department um, that, or program, uh, if he was out there talking about it, giving away government secrets, you can bet the government would have silenced him a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Blap, blap. Two in the head. Those are gats. Yep. <laughs> but there's silencers on them, so it just goes... I mean, it's not how they work. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the point. Uh, joining Elizondo on the History Channel docuseries will be Chris Mellon, a former Deputy Assistant as Secretary of Defense for the Intelligence 
That's too many things. Assistant to the Secretary of Defense. (laughs) (laughs) He's a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence. Doesn't deputy mean assistant? I mean, yeah. (laughs) So he's the assistant to the assistant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In both the Clinton and Bush administrations. Uh, Also joining him will be Dr. Hal Puthoff. Halpatoff? Puthoff. Halpatoff. Sounds like a met, like a like a pill. <laughs> Side effects of Halpatoff include. Uh, he is a NASA quantum physicist and a DoD advisor, and Jim Cernovan, who a f- or sorry, uh, is a former senior intelligence member of the CIA. Um, they will all be lending their expertise to the show. He's doing finger quotes <laughs> for those of you at home. Uh, Tom DeLong, in his infinite wisdom, said, with this show, the real conversation can finally begin. Is that what he sounds like? That's what he sounds like in my head. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a slightly more annoying Gilbert Godfrey. Um, uh, I'm thankful to history for the for giving to the stars. God damn it! I'm thankful to history for giving the to the stars academy team of world class scientists, engineers, and intelligence experts. World class, huh? How come he's nobody, nobody's ever heard of them before? <laughs> um, silence, silencio. <clears throat> Uh, intelligence experts, the opportunity to tell the story in a comprehensive and compelling way. I think everyone that watches the show will walk away with questions answered and a feeling of, wow, I get it now. <laughs> Dude, this guy is living on another fucking planet. <laughs> Which proves that aliens exist. Sure. Aliens. Oh, I said aliens exist. <laughs> I like the blink like the song. song. Like the song. <laughs> like the band that he's currently in. Sort of. <laughs> but on hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Uh yeah, so I'm not saying I'm not saying aliens, but aliens. No, honestly though, like I, I'm not I'm not going as far as to say that aliens don't exist. That's absurd. <clears throat> I'm sure I probably said this before, but I have extreme doubts that they've ever come to this planet. And again, if there is a a uh race of beings out there somewhere uh that has the uh, ability to master interplanetary interplanetary travel or inter uh, intergalactic travel um they would interplanetary intergalactic like the song. <laughs> uh, now, don't you give... I forgot the words. This is... You stick around and make you fit your wall. <laughs> I don't know what he says. Now, don't you tell me to smile. That's the word. Or the, the line. That's the line. From the that lyric. Song. The song that we're talking about, that's from that. This is not. This is a disaster. This is falling apart quickly. <laughs> Fucking Tom DeLonge. <laughs> See what you do to us, Tom. I always feel like somebody's watching me. 
So, finally, Dave Franco is making his directorial debut with a remake of Summer Rental. (laughs) Right? No? Not that? That was about right. R.I.P. John Candy. One love. No, Franco is, uh, he's going to be dipping into the horror realm with the horror thriller. Dipping his balls into the horror realm. Yep. Dipping his balls. Yep. He's already dipping his balls into Allison Brie. Is he? They're married. Are they? Yep. Good for him. <laughs> uh, he's going to be directing the horror thriller The Rental. Now, Tony, I know what you're asking. What is The Rental about? Yeah. Well, don't, yeah. Worry, don't worry, baby bird. I'll feed you. <laughs> the Rental is a character-driven horror thriller about two couples who rent a vacation home for what should be a celebratory weekend getaway. Is that, is that enough for you? Because I got more. Yeah, tell me, tell me more. <laughs> the rental focuses on two couples who rent an Airbnb vacation home and begin to suspect that the owner of the home is spying on them. This sounds like something that Airbnb probably doesn't want to be made or be associated with. Yeah, probably not. I wouldn't. They probably don't say Airbnb in the movie. It's like, hey, the thing, the service that your company provides, it uh, haunts people. <laughs> it makes people's lives miserable. It's like, oh yeah, well, you, how can we be part of that? What, what do we have to pay you to have our name in that? That's <laughs> uh, going to be written by Franco and Joe Swanberg. Now, people may recognize that name because he, he writes a lot of the stuff, but he's also an actor who appeared in movies such as Your Next. Yep. I know him. I know that guy. Yeah. Uh, he owes me five bucks. This is going to star... I'm, just, get, I'm joking. He doesn't know. It's going to star, get this, Alice and Brie. Hey! As well as Dan Stevens, who was in The Guest. And uh, um, that one show. Oh, yeah, that one. Downton Abbey. Was he? Yeah. Because yeah. he was fat. He's a big fat guy. Really? <laughs> Not like obese, but he was, he, he was probably about like 15 pounds heavier. This is the titular guest, right? Like That's that's the guy, right? Yeah, that guy. Yeah. He was like guy. jacked in that movie. Yeah, he lost a bunch of weight and got really good shape. He's like completely... Like, I saw a picture of him from Downton Abbey and didn't even know it was him. Huh. Like, yeah. So is he a Brit then? Uh, yeah, he's, he's British Australian. I mean, Downton Abbey, he must be British. Yeah. Um, but yes, he is. He's also um, on that show um, Legion on FX. And he played the the Beast in, in the live action Beauty and the Beast. Oh. So. All right. There's that. And there's like a whole six degrees thing there because he was in the guest, which was directed by uh, Adam Wingard, who also directed Your Next with Joe Swanberg. It's a whole thing. Just a big old fuck fest. A big old fuck pile. <laughs> <laughs> with Allison Bree. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is going to begin shooting next month right down I 5 from us down in Oregon. <laughs> Oregon. <laughs> Damn it. Don't ever say fuck. Don't ever don't, don't ever say fuck, kids. But also don't ever fucking say Oregon. No. Because it's wrong. Especially if you live in Oregon. <laughs> yeah. It's like people that live here and say Washington. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? Get out. It's like my grandma says. Go back that. to Idaho, you fucking white supremacist. <laughs> Whoa, dude. <laughs> Just because everybody in Idaho is a white supremacist. Oh. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Well, I can check 
Idaho off the list. <laughs> they know. <laughs> they know who they are. <laughs> no, but there's like a weird number of white supremacists in Idaho. Like a weirdly large number. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, my grandma says Washington, but she's from Oklahoma. So, you know, Southerners, they say weird things weird. Yeah. But my wife's grandma was from here, and she said Washington, too. So there's just, I don't understand. There's no excuse for that. Yeah, that's unacceptable. So, so Franco. <laughs> or baby Franco, as he likes to be called. The preferable Franco at this point, I think. James is pretty much canceled, I think. Is he? Oh, yeah, he did a lot of things that people didn't like. Well, I mean... Like, ScarJo called him out for some shit. Really? Yeah. Uh, see, I, I don't pay attention to a lot of stuff like that, so... Yeah, I don't remember exactly what it was. But he was wearing, like, a Time's Up pin, and she was like, Nope. Nah, bitch. <laughs> well, that's... I mean, he always kind of creeped me out. So does Dave, for that matter, but... Uh, they both, like, look like they haven't slept in, like, a week. Yeah. And, like, they might, like... um. I don't know, like try to smell your clothes or something. <laughs> Just that kind of weird, creepy guy. <laughs> Just like, hey, let me let me check out your garbage. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Go away, Dave Franco. <laughs> you stay out of my garbage. I'll put a brick on top of it. <laughs> He's a raccoon now. <laughs> Well, he's got the dark circles around his eyes. <laughs> Go out there banging pots. Ah! Get, get, get out of here, Franco! <laughs> his eyes glow when you shine light on How did this turn into Dave Franco as a raccoon? <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh. oh, Dave, your house Dear. is on fire. <laughs> Let it burn. Uh, that commercial is classic. I wish they would have <laughs> ran it more, even. They should have reused it for the next year's Madden. And the fact that it was just randomly Harley Mortensen. Telling him his house was on fire. But your, your house. <laughs> anyway. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I got nothing left on that one. Franco! <laughs> but how hot is Ellison Brie? So hot. She fine. Except in, like, glow. But she's got that, like, trashy 80s look, and it just does nothing for me. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. But she fine. Yeah. I've been rewatching Community and she looks real good and all of that. Good stuff. Thumbs up. Good for you, Franco. <laughs> you raccoon. <laughs> you wily motherfucker.
All right, guys, just when you thought there couldn't possibly be another Stephen King book to adapt. <laughs> they found one. They found one. That's not true. There are plenty of Stephen King books to adapt. They just, you know, shouldn't. Uh, but so th- they are going to uh, be adapting the talisman. No, for- wait, I feel like I've heard this before. Yes, you have. Because at one point, it was going to be adapted by Josh Boone. Who does Josh Boone have pictures of? <laughs> Stephen King, maybe. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, the guy just gets handed all these fucking movies. And they're all Stephen King. I don't get it. And he hasn't it. made any of them. No. Except for New Mutants, and nobody will ever see it. Yeah. Especially now that the whole... Did you hear the whole Fox Disney thing is done? Yep. Which I'm, I wish that would have... I was talking to my dad earlier. I wish that would have happened years ago. Or I wish they would have at least played nice with each other. Because... Endgame that's coming out next month would be fucking epic if they would have. That's true. Because it would have had Silver Surfer. It would have had Fantastic... No, no, Fantastic. I don't know. All those Fox characters that should have been in Infinity War and Endgame, they'd be in there. X-Men? The X-Men, I don't think, played a big role in it. Well, they could have been in there. They could have just, just thrown just them in cause. there. Just because. Because they can. <laughs> yeah. But no, Silver Surfer played a big role in Here's the story. Like, hey, Jackman, you want $20 million? <laughs> we got it. Now, fuck, we got so much money, it's stupid. <laughs> All hail the mouse. Anyway. All hail. Um, but yes, Josh Boone was going to uh, direct it at one point. Um, there was another point where it was going to be a six-hour miniseries on TNT. But neither of those things are happening now. Sweet. Um, so why should I believe you this time? Because it's really happening this time. Mm. <laughs> no, really, it's happening this time. For serious. Have they hired a director? Uh, yes, Taylor. Is it have. Josh Boone? It's not Josh Boone. <laughs> okay. It's actually Mike Baker of The Handmaid's Tale fame. And you know, The Handmaid's Tale does all right. I've heard good things. It's cleaned I up. I don't watch it, but... Where were we? Where the... Got Peggy in it. Where were we where people were dressed up as handmaidens? Me and you? Yeah. This doesn't ring any bells. And they were like sexy handmaids, and it was just like, that's not, that's kind of like counterproductive. <laughs> I don't recall this. Oh, fuck, where was that? Everybody's dressed up in costumes, so it must have been like a Halloween party or something. Or some kind of Comic-Con or something? We haven't been to Comic-Con in years. I don't remember. Anyway. Maybe it was Crypticon? Maybe. Anyway. But, yeah, so Mike Baker um, is going to be directing the Talisman for Spielberg's Amblin Productions. Oh, Spielberg. I've heard that name before. (laughs) I know that name. <laughs> um, and the Kennedy slash Marshall Company. I don't know that name. I don't know that one either. But, you know, if Spielberg's behind it, you know, in, in whatever context, it's got to have some juice. Yeah. Um, Chris Sparling, uh, who I assume wrote Buried. I think so, yeah. Uh, is writing the adaptation. Is that the one with Ryan Reynolds in a box? I think so, unless there's a different buried. 
There's probably uh, that sounds like a very generic title. It does there sound many movies called Buried. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so this has got some some steam behind it now. It's not just people saying, "Oh, Josh Boone's going to direct it." <laughs> it's not just Josh Boone going, "I'm going to direct it." <laughs> I love Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, the Talisman is a story of Jack Sawyer, a young boy in po- yeah, <laughs> a young boy. boy. <laughs> in possession of a powerful talisman. Ah, the titular titular talisman talisman, uh, that can save his mother's life, who is forced to go on the run from the inhabitants of a magical parallel universe who have discovered how to travel between worlds. I think, I could be wrong, but I think this ties into uh, the Dark Tower series. I feel like I have heard that before. Yeah, I I could be wrong. I haven't read the talisman, so I'm not sure. Um. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what that's got going for it. What do you think? I mean, I still don't trust it. <laughs> no, like when when they're talking about making a Stephen King adaptation, I take it with like a half a grain of salt. Like I put a grain of salt on the counter, I take a butter knife, chop it in half, and that's how much half a grain. Yep, <laughs> literally half a grain. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, and then what? You just eat it? And throw it on my shoulder because it's good luck. I don't, I don't understand what's <laughs> happening. You gotta throw your salt over your shoulder, Taylor. What's if you spill it, maybe. I, well, I put it on the counter. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but you just throw you just throw half half a just half of it. I'll eat the other half. <laughs> put my finger in them. Daily daily dose of sodium. Mmm, <laughs> so salty. Okay, <laughs> uh, so we'll see if this is the is a thing. But like I said, I mean, it's got some. It's not just like, hey, this is guy's going to direct it, and then you know we'll fill in the detail details later. It's got people assigned to tasks. It's got a studio. It's got a writer and a director. So. And it's Spielberg again. He doesn't fuck around. Yeah. Even though he may not be directly involved. <clears throat> right. But still. Amblin has a reputation to maintain. Damn it. Yep. And this is going to be a big screen, not a miniseries or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Cool. When I say rock, So a lot of you are probably familiar with Darren Lynn Bousman. I know that guy. I almost met him once. I was going to say, didn't you see him at Dark Delicacies? Yeah. I was standing there. I'm like, I know that guy, but I don't know why. <laughs> and then when he left, I turned to Dell and I'm like, hey, who was that? And he's like, that was Darren Bousman. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> well, for whatever reason, Darren Lynn Bousman has made it his life's work to get Whoever is in charge to let him reboot Leprechaun. <laughs> of all the things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently every year around St. Patrick's Day, he tweets out to whoever the studio is and is like, hey, just your, your yearly reminder that I want to reboot Leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> 
And they're like, we're going to let someone else do it. <laughs> it's not going to be good. <laughs> I mean, it might be. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah, still out here. It's not really a reboot, though. That's true. It's a, Well, it's a reboot in the literal sense of the word. It's a spiritual sequel. Well, it sounds like that's pretty much what Bowsman wants to do. Um, he's been doing this for the past five years now, starting in 2014. That's a lot of dedication to something that's, you know, stupid. It's, it's dumb. <laughs> uh, he said, I've always loved the Leprechaun franchise, so much so I pleaded desperately to anyone who would listen to let me direct a reboot some years back. There was something so ridiculously fun and silly about them. A lot of people shun the sequels, but for my money, nothing is better than watching a franchise let its villain go to Vegas, space, the hood, and then back to the hood. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing's better. <laughs> so, I guess it's a good thing that Darren Lynn Bousman didn't keep making Saw movies. I mean, yeah. Because then we'd have Jigsaw goes to Vegas. <laughs> Jigsaw in space. Jigsaw in the hood. I thought Jigsaw in the hood might be good. <laughs> Yeah. But Jigsaw Back to the Hood probably wouldn't be. <laughs> uh, Jigsaw goes Hawaiian. <laughs> uh, so, what is Mr. Bousman's big pitch th- that he wants to make? Uh, Lep gets in a time machine and goes back to the Colorado Gold Rush. Wow. Now that's that's a thing. <laughs> I mean, is it the most ridiculous thing? Like, Lep's come back to life how many times? He's gone to space. I think it's always a different leprechaun that looks exactly the same. I mean, yeah. (laughs) That's racist. (laughs) Okay. Any leprechauns out there, send me a letter. But no, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure it's a different leprechaun in every movie. It just happens to all be played by Warwick Davis. (laughs) Except in Leprechaun Returns, I guess that's the same Leprechaun from the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. But, I mean, so it would it really be that out of character for there to be a time machine? I feel like you want to undo the stupidness of putting Leprechaun in space. <laughs> you have to remember that Bousman loved that. <laughs> Which I see as an issue. <laughs> it's like it's probably why he hasn't been allowed to make this. I mean, it's like, uh, fuck. No, that's too extreme an example. Just got to make a reference to Hitler. That's too much. <laughs> I can't think of a lesser example, though. So I'll just leave it alone. Um, you saying you wouldn't kill Hitler? I'm saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but sure, let's continue this entirely new conversation. Uh, no. Anyway, that's, that's, yeah. that's enough. Of that. Never mind. Uh, why the gold rush? Oh, because he's a leprechaun. Ah, uh, where's me gold? Oh, there's so much of it. It's like, I mean, I've got mine, so... Bye. <laughs> of course, I guess he always did want more gold. That was that was the thing. He like he wanted more gold, but you couldn't take his. Yeah. 
He was a selfish little prick. He's a middle shit. Yeah. Taking all the gold. All of me gold. All right. <laughs> Lucky charms. All I see is zombies walking all around us. You can hear them coming. You can hear them breathing, breathing down your spine. So, Taylor. Sir. Do you know the last kids on Earth? I know the last kids in the hall. That's a, that's not a thing. It's a, it's a new thing that I'm working on. <laughs> I've got Scott Thompson side done. So. Yeah, <laughs> he's not doing anything. <laughs> uh, Dave, hey. Dave Foley's he's really holding me back. <laughs> I saw them live uh, a couple of years ago. It was awesome. Like they did like a lot of their old bits. It was hilarious. Except they're like all old, old and fat now. <laughs> but you know, it's fine. It's fine. Cool. Except when Scott Thompson did his bit of uh, running F word, <laughs> the F dash dash word. Actually, it's the F dash 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 word. Yeah, you know you know the I, word. I know. You know the word. Yeah, yeah. He did that bit, and it's just like. does not translate well it's like i mean i know he's gay but still uh right we're talking about something here not Not that Uh, that one's on me sorry (laughs) for a change the last kids on earth is a book series um that netflix that's why i don't know it i don't read because netflix oh because because the book got it (laughs) I never learned to read. Taylor has the reading ability of a six-year-old. Um, uh, the Last Kids on Earth follows uh, 13-year-old Jack Sullivan and a band of suburban middle schoolers who live in a decked-out treehouse. They live in a decked-out treehouse? That's pretty tight. It's pretty tight. It's fucking dope, fam. <laughs> um, uh, they play video games, gorge themselves on candy, and battle zombies in the aftermath of the monster apocalypse. Okay, now I get it. That's why they live in a treehouse. Yeah. <laughs> because society has crumbled. Um, it's a hilarious series with wisecracking kids, crazy gadgets, and a lifetime supply of zombies and giant-sized monsters. Like kaiju? <laughs> I guess. I don't know why a zombie apocalypse would start breeding giant monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's like Resident Evil. What did say? It's the monster apocalypse. So maybe the kaiju came first, oh, yeah. killed everybody, and then they came back as zombies. Kind of like a Cloverfield type thing. Yeah, yeah. with zombies. They were like they were. So if somebody got infected, didn't they like turn into like kind of a zombie thing before they spawned some kind of offspring? Or am I remembering that wrong? I don't remember that. Probably wrong. Probably. I'm often you're, wrong. You're oftentimes wrong. Uh, Nick Wolfhart, if that last name sounds familiar, uh, then you are in the know or something. Finn, you're Wolfhart. probably a Stranger Things fan. Yeah. Or, you know, pretty much anything with kids or in it. it. <laughs> uh, but yes, it is the brother of Finn Wolfhard. Uh, he's going to, oh, it's a cartoon. I see. He's going to voice the main character, Jack Sullivan. Also lending their voices will be Mark Hamill, 
I think I cut you off before you actually said that this is going to be a Netflix thing. Uh, well, yeah, it's Netflix. It's going to be a Netflix show or movie show, right? I think it's a show. It's a series of books, so I assume it's going to be a show. Um, let's see. Also lending their voices to the show are Mark Hamill, Rosario Dawson, Catherine O'Hara, Keith David. Yes. Yeah. And the king, Bruce motherfucking Campbell. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Everything's better with Bruce, just in case you didn't know. Uh, it's going to be developed by Atomic Cartoons, and the animated series is set to launch later this year. Hype? Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, this that's, sound- a, that's a fucking, fucking dope-ass cast, bro. That is a good cast. Um, this sounds like something that could be appealing to kids and adults alike so that's that's a plus i wonder if bruce is gonna play a kid (laughs) that'd be fucking hilarious (laughs) i think i've seen i've I've seen cart cartoons or voiceovers where where both rosario dawson and Catherine o'hara have done children i don't think i've seen mark hamill keith david mark hamill or keith david do children i can't imagine keith david playing a kid either oh my god that'd be hilarious (laughs) With that like little bit of a gravelly voice he's got. <laughs> so good. Um Yeah, I mean this could be cool. I'm I mean I guess I'm fine with it being a cartoon. I'd rather it was live action. Yeah. But I mean I guess that's usually the case. I think a lot of it is like I don't like modern like a lot of modern day animation. You know, because I grew up on Looney Tunes. Sure. You yeah. Know, hand drawn, hand drawn art, and you know Looney Tunes, and even Looney Tunes now they fucked it, fucked it up. Oh, I know it's terrible. Um, have you seen Have you seen the new Ninja Turtles? Uh, no. Oh man, they look fucking recalculous. <laughs> he does not use that word lightly. Let me <laughs> tell you. This. Uh, that. In the middle. Where'd it go? This shit. Why do they look anime? Because these things are drawn by... Like, that's the thing. All this fucking art nowadays is so inspired by anime. It's like... like um. And a lot of it's actually drawn by Asian artists, like uh, all the DC movies, uh, uh, the the animated movies. Um, you know, they used to, oh, God, I can't remember the artist's name, but back in you know, like, um, uh, fuck, uh, like uh, Batman the animated series. Yeah, that art that used to be like the standard for those animated movies for years. And now they've switched over to this. Um, this this kind of, I mean it's obviously a lot more uh, elegant and finely drawn than this. Oh yeah, I heard about this some kind of crossover. All right. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, just modern day animation just does very little for me. It's, it's just, all like so very stylized, and it's like 
you know, a lot of times the people don't look like human beings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like distorted features, like super long arms or giant feet or something. And yeah, I mean, like, yeah, giant heads or sh- like square eyes or I don't know. Or just like, I don't know. Back in my day, that's just, I, you know, I grew up watching Looney Tunes and like the, you know, the Disney animated movies and stuff. And so that's, that's animation yeah. for me. Nowadays, it's just, I don't know, it just does nothing for me. These kids and their computers. <laughs> so, last kids on Earth later this year. Netflix. All right, so one thing that Tony and I always talk about but never actually do is getting really drunk and playing Left 4 Dead 2 okay. and, and streaming it. We need to do that. Yeah. Uh, because we freak out. We get really, like, stupid. Yeah. Especially when we have Chomsky. <laughs> Fucking Chomsky. Chomsky's the best. Oh, man. Good times. I wish you guys could have been there. The first time we got really drunk and streamed. You should have been there, man. The first time we got really drunk and played Left 4 Dead 2. And we played the carnival one. And it was, you know, you have to get this lawn gnome named Gnome Chomsky Mm -hmm. and carry him back to the helicopter or whatever. Without using any... So you can't hold a weapon while you have Chomsky. You can swing Chomsky at zombies. Yeah. But that's it. So you have to get close enough to swing a lawn gnome at zombies. Yeah. And And you don't have to do this to complete the mission. This is like a side goal. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, you so you can't hold a weapon while you have the Chomsky. And if you get hit once, you drop him, and you have to go back and get him. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we'd get hit by zombies, and we would start freaking out and just be like, oh, my God, we got to get Chomsky. <laughs> it, yeah, I think you said you can swing Chomsky and use him. You can use him as a weapon, but yeah. he's, he's not effective. No, not at all. Because <laughs> he swings really slow. And the zombies, they don't go down with one hit. No. Especially, like I said, you got to get close enough to actually hit him. Yeah. And that fucking carnival level or mission, whatever, uh, there's a lot of twists and turns in that one. Yeah. And uh, it's it's challenging. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd start hearing the witch cry, and we would just be like, fuck this, fuck yeah. you, fuck everything. Where is she? Where is she? <laughs> uh, you're probably wondering what the hell this has to do with anything. Well, let me tell you. Are they making another Left 4 Dead game? No. Oh. But... They're making a new zombie game in the style of Left 4 Dead. It's a spiritual successor. <laughs> uh, it's called, get this, Back 4 Blood. Ah, like, like the number four. Yeah, like Left 4 Dead. Like Left 4 Dead. Yeah, I got it. Uh, but it's not Left 4 Dead 3. No, because that is an IP that's owned by Valve. And this <laughs> is going to be a game from Warner Brothers Interactive and Turtle Rock. I don't know Turtle Rock. I think Turtle Rock is the company that made... Left for Dead, like the uh, studio. I know Warner Brothers Interactive, though. Most they, people do, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they made the Batman Arkham games. Yeah, and those are pretty solid. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna be the same creators, development team, and style as Left for Dead. Uh, Turtle Walk co-founder and design director Chris Chris Ashton. <laughs> they call him that all the time. Uh, it's Chris. It's not Chris. <laughs> 
Krish isn't a name. Nobody's named Krish. <laughs> we get to return to a genre that... I'm going to have a kid just to name him Krish, just to prove you wrong. All right, I'm going to make fun of him for having a stupid name. <laughs> Somewhere out there, some guy named Krish is like, hey. <laughs> I'm be like, don't worry, Krish. Uncle Taylor doesn't mean it. <laughs> Uh, he said, we get to return to a genre that was born in our studio with over 10 years of additional experience and zombie ideas racked up in our brains. That wasn't born in their studios. Yeah, really? You think you invented first-person zombie shooters? <laughs> get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Fucking Chris. <laughs> uh, Back for Blood will be a premium game, meaning not free, because I don't know why people thought that would be a thing. Um... <laughs> With campaign and PvP modes, but without a flavor of the moment battle royale mode. I don't understand what that means. Um, I'm not. I'm not in, engaged enough in the gaming community to know what that means. I think, like, because with online gaming, you can just have like a free for all. I think that's what that means. Like, like, uh, um, what's the really popular one now? Fortnite. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's it. That's. That's a thing that the kids play. Yeah, right? <laughs> Actually, I think adults play it too. A lot of people do a lot of things. <laughs> uh, no release date has been announced, but the team is targeting PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One versions. So it's going to be on all your next-gen systems. Yeah, buddy. That means we can get it, and we can play it no matter where we are. Whether yep. we're here, I know you, you have to get a new place. You'd yeah, have to I'd, get an Xbox I'd have one. to get an X-Bone. X-Boner. Like a former boner? <laughs> I think I always have an ex-boner. <laughs> Unless you currently have a boner. <laughs> yeah. Like, hello, this is my dick. Formerly boner. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I be introducing someone to my dick? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Why you gotta ask me all these questions? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, when you meet a new girl, you don't introduce <laughs> introduce her to your dick formally. I mean, when I do, it's usually a boner at that point. <laughs> okay. And I don't feel the need to explain. Just be like, oh, it's a boner now, but later it won't be. <laughs> Just in case you don't know how this works. <laughs> oh, God. We are fucking off the rails today. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, nothing will top Franco as a raccoon. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was the stupidest thing we've ever done. <laughs> All right, that's it for horror business. Hey, yeah, it is. We're we're done. Finally, <laughs> mercifully. That was a long. Well, it's only an hour. Okay, just seemed long. <laughs> that's what she said. Hey, to you. She said to you. <laughs> Thank you. Because you're talking about my dick, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh we need to stop this <laughs> all right guys so um the next next thing we, we do in this show that's how i introduce the reviews now <laughs> oh these are our movie reviews <laughs>
All right, guys. So um, this episode, we are reviewing the movie Us, which just came out, and a movie called Bone Hill Road, which came out last year, year before? Year before, 2017. Has it actually been out that long? I, I, I don't know. I think it might have just been on VOD recently. There's not a lot of, I mean, you know, you, you can find information about it online, but like, like it doesn't have a Wikipedia page. It's, you know, it's IMDb page is fairly bare bones. So, I don't know. Anyway, Taylor, which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with Bone Hill Road. Kill. Ah. <laughs> um, brought to us by uh, Todd Sheets, who wrote and God, he's he's been around forever. He's been around since the eighties. Um, he was big in the uh, shot on video scene in the late eighties, early nineties, um, and uh, yeah, fuck. He's he has forty six writing credits. Wow, forty eight directing credits. So he's been around. Um, but most recently, he has directed Bone Hill Road. Um, let's see, go oh, grind exploitation. He did a segment in that. Um, what's that? Purple neon, purple, dreaming purple neon. Yeah, uh, that uh, Linnea Quigley had a shirt with that on it. Yeah, that was another movie of his. Don't know anything about it. Anyway, but yeah, so Bone Hill Road. Uh, it's it was written and directed by Todd Sheets. It stars, um. Probably mostly people you haven't heard of, but the most recognizable face is going to be Linnea Quigley, I think. Um, Who's not in it very long. No. Um, Or or Quiggles. (laughs) She looks real. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So this movie is mostly about Emily and Eden. Eden Stevens. (laughs) (laughs) I see you did there. That's really her name. I I know. I know. I did. You made a reference to the show. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. Um, yeah, so... Uh, 
Emily is married to a real fucker. Um, it's off to a great start. What was his name? I don't think they said, did they? I feel like they must have, but I... He's just de- the dad. That's not him. Yeah, this guy's name is Wolf. His character, last name is Wolf. Wolf? Wolf. See? Wolf. Oh, two O's, I see. Uh, anyway, okay, so Emily's married to this real bastard. I, I assume he, I mean, he's abusive. I assume he's a drunk. Um, and we pretty much open up the movie with her being beaten by this guy. Um, just mercilessly, just beating the hell out of her. Um, and in the media, in the middle of it, uh, Eden comes home from school, which she's apparently been expelled from. I don't, it's kind of irrelevant. I don't know why they dropped that in. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, at, at some point, Emily gets the upper hand. She whacks this dude over the head with a frying pan, and and they take off and disappear into the night. Um, they're heading towards uh, their or Emily's father's house out in the boonies somewhere. Um, I don't know where this is. I assume this is supposed to take place in Missouri because that's what the license plates say. Mm. But then they talk about um, uh, Castle Rock. That's true. Which is in you know it's Stephen King in in Maine, and then they also say Cabot Cove, which was where Jessica Fletcher lives, in Murder She Wrote, which is also in Maine. Hmm. So I don't. Yeah, that's curious. Yeah, maybe they just they were just throwing out references, but they're both in Maine. I mean, there's a Castle Rock in Oregon, but I mean Castle Rock and Cabot Cove. Well, yeah, when you put them together, it's... So know. maybe they're originally from Missouri, and they drove there to Maine. I mean, I guess, but then the, like later on, they're, like, they're in a kitchen, and somebody has like all their spoons and shit in a Kansas City Chiefs cup. That's true. I did see that. So, I mean, it's like, is, it, is this fucking Missouri? <laughs> maybe it takes place in Maine, but they filmed it in Missouri and didn't put that much thought into it. <laughs> anyway, so they are driving through what looks like just farmland. Um, which is more indicative of Missouri, I would think. Uh, and they I t- mean, I think I think we can probably assu- safely assume it was filmed in Missouri, at least. I would think so. Um, and they uh, they turn onto the intersection or they turn on the intersection of Wolf Road and Bone Hill Road. Wait, was it Wolf Street? I would think it would have to be. Yeah, I don't road, think road and road can intersect. No, they don't do that. Um, so they turn onto Bone Hill Road, and they're driving along. They're driving along, <laughs> and something big runs across the street, just like blink of an eye, just right across the front of the car. And Emily stops on the brakes, and she's just like, "What the hell was that?" And um, they kind of come to the conclusion it must be a bear. Um, because it was big and, and hairy. It's like, what else could it be but a bear? And um, so they start driving. Bears, along. rhinos. <laughs> so they start driving along again. <laughs> just just driving along, driving along. And um, 
then something collides with the side of their car and blows out one of their tires. So they're stalled on the side of the road, and um, Emily tries to call her dad, and her phone is just dead. <clears throat> and um, that's, I mean, there, there's very little suspense building. Like, we're into werewolves, like, right away. Because this thing hops on the hood of their car, and, yeah, just full-on werewolf. And I appreciated that it was, like, like a big, beastly werewolf. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, like, some dude with, like, hair on his face, you know? Right. Um, and uh, so, it being a low-budget movie, I really appreciated that. Um, and uh, so, they... Don't want to get out of the car. One of them, like, was it they punch through the window or something? Because one of them gets a hold of Emily and scratches her leg. It just opened the door. Because Eden was like, I didn't close my door all the way. So so close it. Yeah. Like, I guess they were worried they would have to open it and close it, but you can just yank on it real hard. Yeah. That's that's how doors work. You just, yeah. you just pull it. You just yeah. got to latch it. Yeah. And, and then you lock it. I, I assumed it was already locked. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. the werewolf was just like, "Oh, look at this! This is just open." And the doors have two. That latches. was easy. <laughs> the doors have two latches too. Like you, you gotta like close it and you latch it and then you shut it. Yeah, yeah that's how doors work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so they pull down the back seat and they're like scooting out through the trunk, and that's when one of them grabs a hold of Emily yes. and scratches her leg. So now she's injured. She's you know. Gimped, basically. Hobbled. Hobbled. That's probably a better word. Yeah. Let's go with hobbled. <laughs> uh, neat. <laughs> and so they get out through the trunk, and for some reason, the werewolves don't chase them. I don't know why. They were like, oh, free car. <laughs> Thanks for your car. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> Just want to party. Uh, so they they run off into the night, and I don't like Emily's injured, and they're just kind of running at like half speed, and the werewolves don't chase them. I don't that bugged me. Yeah, and then it took the werewolves a really long time to track them down. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's like there's one thing that good dogs are good at is like smelling things, tracking. Yeah, that's <laughs> like they're bred to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but they they run off into the night and they find this old farmhouse, which is very reminiscent of Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. The um, opening shot is like such the the stereotypical indie movie shot of a farmhouse. Yeah, where it's like kind of on the corner and from a low angle. Mm-hmm. Up. It's very like Night of the Living Dead. It's very Halloween. Yeah. So they uh, run and like it looks like nobody's home. Like there are no lights on. But there's music playing inside. It's all like Yeah, you know, the hottest <laughs> the hottest cuts from the 1920s. Yeah. Um and there's or Eden's like, we can't just walk in. She's like, but the the door's unlocked and there's music playing. We have to get out, we have to get inside. We're not safe out here. Um and uh so they all they ultimately just go inside. Where they find the door was just unlocked, right? Um, they go walking through this house into the the kitchen area, 
Yeah, where they find uh, Quiggles. Quiggles. Like Susie. Susie. That's her name. Um, wasn't that her name in Night of the Demons, too? Hmm. I don't remember. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so Quiggles and this other girl, Tina. I'm Tina. <laughs> I'm Tina. I've got the locker keys. Uh, they are, are they, they're, yeah, they're tied up. Suzanne was her name in Night of the Demons. Mm. Somebody must have called her Susie. I mean, it's a pretty common nomenclature. Sure. Yeah. Um, so they find them tied up and there's, they're all beat up. Yeah. And, uh, they're just like, oh my God, what happened to you? And in comes, oh fuck, I forgot to mention this guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, the guy from earlier in the story. <laughs> it was Philip, the pizza delivery guy from earlier. <laughs> I forgot to mention that when they when they got away from home, you know, escaped the abusive husband, um, they stopped at what looked like a like a pit stop or like a rest area. Yeah. Um, and on their way out, this creepy fucker uh comes up to him and says, Hey, ladies. <laughs> ladies. <laughs> What's up? He doesn't say that. You want a party <laughs> with, with us? Me? Uh, where are you going? Is there gonna be more hot snacks like you there? <laughs> where do you live? Do you wear thong underpants? What's your address? <laughs> uh, you want to take our shirts off? Uh, he doesn't say any of this. Should have. Um, he should have. It would have been better. I'm uncircumcised. <laughs> Felicia. Nobody gets these references. Somebody, somewhere. Such an underappreciated movie. Oh, definitely, dude. I I did not think I would like that movie at all. Oh, I know. On the surface, like, this looks so fucking dumb. <laughs> yes. On the surface, it still looks stupid. You like have to watch it to appreciate it. Yeah. Anyway, no one. We didn't even say what movie. We're <laughs> it's a it's a sex drive. Yeah. Don't watch the uh, unrated version. Yeah. Do not. That's dumb. It's so dumb. <laughs> I mean, you have to stare at like the biggest, blackest cock I've ever seen in my life uh, for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And there's just random naked people walking around. Yeah. Like literally random. They're yeah. not even in the movie. They green screened them on and yep. they just walk across the, the front of the screen. Anyway. Porter, uh, by the way, is the creepy guy. Huh? Porter is the creepy guy's name. Oh, right. Yeah. Back to Bone Hill Road. Uh, not insect he he says, uh, I just want to let you guys know, or let you ladies know that uh, Highway 90's closed going in this direction, so you got to go this other way. Uh, and you know, you don't really at this point, you don't really know if you should expect him to show up again or not. Um, but he does. Yeah, like I thought it was just like a red herring. Yeah. Turns out he's this. He doesn't own the house. I think. I think this is actually Susie and Tina's house. That's the impression I got. Oh, I didn't even really think about it. Um, and this guy has just <clears throat> invaded, and he's tied them up and has been beating them. Um, and he, yeah. So this movie, which presents itself as being about vampires or not werewolves, werewolves thank you um shifts gears and turns into this sort of home invasion type thing like home invasion torture yeah I mean, even thing. if it is that guy's house it's more it's like a uh, you know a kidnap torture kind of yeah 
And I, I mean, I don't want to, this is still a relatively new, new movie, so I don't want to get into uh, spoiler territory. Um, but I mean, the movie completely changes. And I mean, honestly, I kind of feel, feel like I was sold a bill of goods um, because I, I wanted to watch a werewolf movie and werewolves were in the movie for, I don't know, 20 minutes. Yeah. This, the whole, and it's like the last 15. Yeah. Plus and the they had, five at the beginning. They had almost nothing to do with it. No, they were completely inconsequential. Um, it, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand why the werewolves were there. Um, I mean, this easily could have been like a zombie movie. You could have replaced the werewolves with zombies. and Or would, even just like another killer. Sure, yeah. Um, I just, I don't, I don't know what, what the what the inspiration was to do that. It's like make a werewolf movie and stick with the werewolves. Yeah, but it changed into this like home invasion torture thing, and that's that's. I kept expecting the movie to shift back to the werewolves, and it didn't until like the last fifteen ish minutes of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as far as story goes, that's pretty much all it's really got going for it. Pretty much, yeah. Um, you know, I kind of saw this, like, reading descriptions of it. Um, saw it really saying it's about, like, the story of, like, this mother and daughter's, you know, like, will to survive and this kind of thing. And, um, and then just, like, yeah, a lot of mention and talk about the werewolves. And, I mean, you, you look at any of the... Um, production art like any advertising or anything for this it's all werewolves it's like yeah werewolves are in it but again you could have subbed them out for anything yeah um fuck it could have been uh it could have been like the mist you could have made it the mist (laughs) yeah um werewolves were just completely inconsequential i'm kind of pissed off about it (laughs) Um, cause I was excited to watch this because I heard so many good things about it. Um, like really good reviews from like, you know, like these hardcore horror fans. Um, and like, I've often thought that if I had money to put, a, or if I, if I had the ability to make a movie with a, with a reasonably sized budget, that the one I would make is a werewolf movie, like a really awesome hardcore werewolf movie, you know, f- like, like kind of like, like underworld, like, you know, full on creature effects, you know, animatronics and all that shit. Just like really take it over the top. Yeah. Um, and so when I saw this low budget film and this, you know, this had an Indiegogo campaign and it met its goal f- by 553%. Uh, and that equated to about twenty two point six thousand dollars, which puts their original goal at about four thousand dollars. So I'm wondering how they would have even touched this. With Are they planning 4, to make a short story? Because fuck for four thousand dollars, I don't know how you could have made this movie. Um, but I mean, right from the start, like on their Indiegogo, their whole thing was like we're using all practical effects, which was another thing that got me interested. It's like. I don't want to watch a movie with CGI because at this point, anybody can do CGI. 
you know, it kind of depends on how good the CGI is. Right. But computers or computer graphics, it's just easy to do. It's it's like a throwaway way to do things now. So doing something with practical effects, that takes fucking balls and talent. So that being the case, I was super excited. But, you know, they had the werewolves. The werewolves, you know, they looked like... They looked like something from a low-budget movie that that's where most of the budget went. Yeah. Which is fine. They looked pretty solid. For Yeah, I thought they were, I thought the werewolves themselves looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I, one thing I was kind of worried about was I thought it would be just kind of have the mask factor where the head is just stationary, but the the mouths actually did move. Yeah, I think they probably had like uh like um stunt and hero effects where they probably for like the action scenes, they probably had just Static masks. Oh, sure, yeah. But then for the close-ups, they had animatronics. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you had the werewolves; they looked pretty good, and you just come—they just completely steered away from it and turned it into something that was completely unrelated. Oh yeah, the whole middle of the movie is this Porter Stevens storyline yeah. of him, you know, kidnapping these women and torturing them, and you know, now he's got. Eden and Emily in his house and he's basically kidnapped them as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's completely detached from the werewolves specifically and the rest of the movie. Yeah. And I just, I don't understand why it, that part, like this, the whole thing, if it was in a movie separate, like if, if this movie was about this guy that, you know, kidnaps people and or kidnaps women and tortures them you know if that was a separate movie that's fine but i wanted to watch a werewolf movie and that's what i was marketed yeah and it it, it didn't that's not what i saw and i'm I'm kind of annoyed (laughs) like i i've seen a lot of comparisons to dog soldiers Mm -hmm. and i'm like Okay, in the fact that all the action happens in the last 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But Dog Soldiers doesn't forget about the werewolves for the entire middle of the movie. It's continuously is a werewolf movie. Yeah. Because, like, even, you know, with this story of this Porter guy kidnapping these women and stuff, you could have still had at least a mention of the werewolves. Mm-hmm. But it's like it, they completely forgot about the werewolves for the entire middle of the movie. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there are points where where the werewolves finally track them down to this house. And rather than immediately trying to find them way, their way inside, you know, similar to the situation back at the car, they just stand outside. It's like they're plotting or something. Yeah. Um, and yeah. what really got me about that part is like they're, uh, Emily's dad, Eden's grandfather, shows up in his truck and he starts honking his horn and they're like, come inside. And it, like, they, they know the werewolves are there and they're mm-hmm. like, dad, hurry, come inside. I'm like, why don't you get in the truck and fucking go? Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. Like what's going to happen if you come inside? Like you, you know, you're already surrounded by werewolves. Are you just hoping they'll go away at some yeah. point? Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of issues with this as far as the story. But I mean, I didn't I didn't sign up for this for the story. 
So I'm not going to begrudge it too much. But if you are looking at the story, there's a, a lot of issues. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to harp on it. It's whatever. Um, my issues are with the, the, the plot. Um, not so much the plot details, just the plot itself. Um, and, and how it completely shifts gears and becomes a completely different movie from the one that I wanted to watch. Yeah. And it's like, I, I paid to watch this. <laughs> this is not what I paid to watch. Right. If it, if I put it on and it was a werewolf movie and it was bad, then it, you know, that's, that's on me. It's like, I, okay, well, I got myself a werewolf movie. That's what I paid for. It wasn't good. Whatever. But this one, it's like I paid for a werewolf movie and I didn't get a werewolf movie. Yeah. So. Um, the positives, though, like the werewolves do look really good. Yeah. Um, the There's a, a transformation scene that's pretty damn good. For a, a low-budget indie film, yeah. it is pretty solid, yeah. yeah. It's, it's sort of reminiscent of... Uh, American Werewolf a little bit. Yeah, it's clearly like inspired by. Yeah. Um However, the makeup for like the girl's wounds and stuff, I did not think was very good. Not really, no. Um there are some like viscera that I don't know, it was like opposite ends of the spectrum. Some of it was good and some of it was really bad. Some of it looked like teriyaki chicken. Yeah. Um so I don't I don't know. I don't know if that was just uh, some inconsistencies in the makeup department or the, the effects department or, or what, but um, I I don't I don't want to bash the movie, but this isn't this isn't what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, Emily and Eden, they did all right. As far as as far as acting, they were probably the the strong parts of the movie. There were like Porter was super uneven in his acting. Like there were times when I really kind of like bought into him as this crazy guy, and then other times where he was like either so over the top or just uh, some of the calmer moments where he just it was obvious he was acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I mean, even the guy that played the. The grandpa, he he was not very good. No, and he seemed like he was like a seasoned actor too. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, they, I think just all in all, there's just a lot of stuff missing from this movie. And like, I tried not to read any reviews, um, but mainly just looked at like how people were, you know, kind of scoring this. And it's like there were a lot of high marks. You know, like uh, like if you look at like IMDb, there's like you know. Eight out of ten, nine out of ten. It was kind of like I think I saw one ten out of ten. It's just like that's really wait. High. We've been calling the guy the wrong name the whole time. Porter Stevens is the grandpa. Oh right, As, that sounded wrong. Cohen Cohen Anders, right? Is I don't, the killer. I don't know that they ever actually said his name. He when he introduced himself at the very beginning. When Did he, he? The first time he met him, he, he as they were running away, he was like, "My name's Cohen Anders, by the way." <laughs> Um, yeah. So there's that. Uh, 
was kind of yeah disappointed. I mean, I, I can't really sugarcoat it. I was I was pretty let down by this. Yeah, I wasn't super impressed. Like, I mean, the similar to Dog Soldiers, the last fifteen minutes are when all the action happens, and that's the really the best part of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's not bogged down by like too much effects. And it's not bogged down by like the bad viscera effects. But you get like this cool transformation scene, and you get some cool werewolf attacks. Yeah, and that's like like you said, that's what I bought into. That's what I wanted the mm-hmm. rest of the movie to be. Yeah. I I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand the logic why they opted to completely change the movie. Well, like I said, there's not even like a mention of the werewolves in that whole middle section, the whole part where they're in the house. There's not even like a, Hey, we got to get out of here. Cause there's something coming. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, you know, they get in there and they find this guy who's been torturing these women, and that becomes like the focus. Yeah. Which I mean, you know, focus on the task at hand, I guess, but but still, it's like there are fucking werewolves outside. Yeah, like there's there's one point at the end of all that where Emily says, you know, if you think this guy is bad, what's coming is even worse. Mm-hmm. But by that time the werewolves are already there. Yeah. There's no mention of them coming. Before that, it's like they just think, oh, we're in a house now. We're safe. <laughs> Thank God that's over. <laughs> um, I don't know. I kind of think that's all I got. Yeah, I can't think of anything other else pertinent. Yeah. There are some boobs. That was cool. Yeah. That's fine. They were... I mean, they didn't really... They were just there. It wasn't sexualized in any way. Not really. She's yeah, just topless. Don't really know why. Yeah. Yeah, like Cheese even came in and she's like, why is she naked? And I was like, I, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I'm not bothered by it, but there's still no reason. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. Four. I guess that's where I'm at too. Yeah, man, I just I really wanted to like this one. It's it's curious to me that people just like rave about it. Yeah, I I don't I don't understand. I want I want to understand. I just don't. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, so let's move on to the latest from Jordan Peele. It's a movie called Us. That's a classic right there. What does I got five on it mean? It's about drugs. It's not about drugs. It's a dope song. Don't do drugs. Get in rhythm. There you go. There you go. I can't believe how big Dave got. You hear Gabe got a boat? He's kidding, right? He's not kidding. Hey, I think it's vodka clock. Oh, yeah. Where's Jason? Jason? Jason! Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me, and I'll keep you safe. (laughs) 
There's a family in our driveway. It's probably the neighbors. Joski have a family? Hi, can I help you? Zora, put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us. Or we kill them. All right, so the beginning of this movie takes place in 1986. We're looking at an old school box TV mm-hmm. with a VHS of Chud right next to it. <laughs> did you notice that? No. There's two VHS tapes sitting right next to it. Chud and the Goonies. Awesome. I did see the Goonies. I didn't notice Chud, though. But it's a uh, commercial for Hands Across America. Hands, Hands Across America! America. I'm so glad we both did that. I, I, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> I was like, if Tony doesn't do it, I'm going to be so just disappointed. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's basically like they just show this TV to kind of preface, hey, the, this is 1986. This is what's going on in the world. Now on to the story. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the news. It's funny because they like, it, it says Hands Across America, 1986 and all this stuff. And then it cuts to this family on, on the boardwalk, and it says 1986. I'm like, yeah, I got that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole Hands Across America. Like, yeah, you, you told us. Uh, if you if you look in the reflection of the TV, you see Adelaide actually sitting on the couch watching it. Yeah, but not that that means anything. but Not at, the, not at this point in the movie, no. Yeah. So, yeah, we're introduced to young Adelaide Thomas. Uh, I'm not sure how old she is, but she's like seven, eight maybe. Ish, yeah. Uh, and she's at the Santa Cruz boardwalk with her parents. Her dad is Candyman. The new Candyman. Okay. Didn't even put that together. Like a whole movie I'm watching. I'm thinking, where is this guy? Yeah, it's her dad. It's like there are any more. They're not showing any more black people. I don't know where he is. <laughs> uh, so they're, you know, doing carnival games and stuff. Dad's drunk. At one point, the mom hey, says, sorry, fun fact, real life. My wife's uncle, and she may not want me to talk about this. I don't know. <laughs> My wife's uncle died on that roller coaster, that very one. Really? Yeah, when he was a, when he was a child. Well, I'll be. Yeah. Uh, That's at, a fun story. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Got to keep it lively, you know? At one point, the mom says, hey, Adelaide, I think they're filming a movie over there. Why don't you go look and see if they have any extras? Fun fact, Easter egg, the movie they're filming is The Lost Boys. 
Because they did film in Santa Cruz. In 1986. Yeah. Adelaide's like, no. <laughs> and then dad's like, oh, I'm going to go play whack-a-mole. And uh, the mom's like, well, I'm going to go go pee. So watch your daughter. And he's like, yeah, whatever. So she takes off. I got it. Yeah, she immediately takes off. Uh, goes into this Hall of Mirrors maze thing uh, called Vision Quest. Mm-hmm. Like the Shaman's Vision Quest or something like that. With this vaguely offensive Native American. Yeah, and she talks like this. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes in there and she's, you know, walking through all the mirrors and there's an owl that pops out of the wall and all kinds of stuff. But the power goes out. She starts to get scared. Tries to find the exit, but since it's a hall of mirrors, she just keeps running into yeah, herself. There are, there are exit signs literally, literally in every direction she looks. Uh, but then she turns around and she sees the back of her own head, which is not what you want to see in a mirror. I don't want to see that at all. No. And so unless in like unless like I'm looking in another mirror at the back of my head. Yeah. Then then that's all right. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you just see her eyes go wide and then cut. Flash forward, I guess, a couple days probably. They're at a therapist and uh, Adelaide hasn't spoken since this incident. And the therapist is saying, well, you need to find an- another outlet for her. You know, have her draw or write or dance. I just want to dance. <laughs> Screw you guys tonight. I just want to dance. Uh, so now we flash forward to present day or 2019. That's like, yeah, present day. Yeah. But, you know, I, I have a beef with movies that say present day because then it ages the movie or it doesn't age the movie, which is the problem. Right. Cause like Halloween says present day. Yeah. And I'm like, no, this is 1977. <laughs> Maybe it's still 1977. But it's not. <laughs> then all my calendars are wrong. <laughs> but so Adelaide has grown up. She has married a guy named Gabe. They have two kids, Zora and Jason. Gabe is played by Winston Duke, who played uh, the... Fuck, I can't remember his character's name, but he's in Black Panther. He played like the... Did you see Black Panther? No. Oh, it's on Netflix. Yeah. I mean, maybe you don't care. Obviously, you don't. I've so fallen out of interest with superhero movies. Fair enough. But he was in Black Panther, so. All right. It's a fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> We're just, um, we got a lot of fun facts today. And then Adelaide's played by Lupita Nyong'o. He was also in Black Panther. There you go. And 12 Years a Slave. But so they're going to Santa Cruz. And it's the first time Adelaide's been back since her her incident. Right. It's her, her mother's, it's the same house that they were in. Same house she was watching the Hands Across America commercial in. It's her mother's home. Now it's her family's like summer home. Yeah. Uh, But so, you know, they go and they just kind of hang out for a while. But then that night, suddenly there's this family in their driveway. I'm sure you've seen the trailer. This is like the the big moment. And Gabe goes out there and he says, you know, hey, this is our property. You need to get the fuck out of here. This like so Gabe as a character is super white bread. Yeah. Like he's like a very 
straight laced white black guy. I mean, <laughs> uh, and I like how his the way he talks just gets more and more like thug. He gets ghetto. Yeah. Uh, the more he like, he's like trying to scare these people away. So he keeps getting more and more hood, you know? Yeah. And he goes and like gets a bat and he's like, you want to get crazy? <laughs> we can get crazy. <laughs> and I can't tell if he was like, I mean, I don't, I don't know if this was thought that much into his character. I don't know if he was like starting to lose himself or, or something, or if he was just trying to sound more intimidating. <laughs> yeah. Could be either. Could be both. Yeah. With, with Jordan Peele, who knows? Yeah. Well, I mean, with the theme of this movie, it could be the first one. That's true. That would fit. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Look at you. Thinking. <laughs> Reading into things. Just thinking my thoughts. But so the, the family in the driveway, they disperse. The dad comes in and he just... It's so creepy. The children just like skitter off to the side. Yeah. The, <laughs> the kid, the son of the family in the driveway... He runs around on all fours. Yeah. Like a fucking spider or something. Yeah. And it's creepy as fuck. But so then the the dad, he comes and he grabs the bat out of Gabe's hand and he bashes him in the knee. Eventually they get in the house and you realize that they're all the our our family. It's their their mirrored selves. Mm-hmm. You don't really can't really tell with the kid because he's wearing a mask. It's like one of those masks that they get for fire um victims. Because he is one. Yep. Uh, but Adelaide's doppelganger, or they they call him the tethered. Um, so her her tethered person, her name is Red. For whatever reason, their names aren't like anywhere close to their doppelganger's name. Yeah, like Gabe's is Abraham. Yeah. And like Jason's is Pluto. Right. I mean, I don't I don't know why they needed names. It, yeah. But I don't know. If we're supposed to regard them as separate people, then. But they're not really. Mm, I don't know. I guess that's a deeper conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but so Adelaide's doppelganger, Red, explains. Doesn't really explain anything, I guess, but she basically just says, you know, we're, we're you and we're here to fuck you up. Basically. Yeah, I mean, she's essentially, I mean, she kind of tells this story about her life that everything, because she's tethered to uh, Adelaide, that her life was, she refers to them as shadows. Mm -hmm. Um, And that her life was basically like of equal like it ran an e- a, a similar course a parallel yeah to adelaide's but everything that was positive in her life was negative she said that you know when adelaide met gabe and fell in love and got married it didn't matter if red loved um abraham or not she had to get married to him because adelaide married gabe because gabe or abraham it was gabe's tethered person mm-hmm. um and that uh you know when she gave birth to um zora zora uh what was what was the other girl's name uh that's the one i can't remember 
uh, Umbre. Okay, yeah, so when she gives birth to Umbre, said that she came out laughing. Yeah, she said she gave birth to a monster. Yeah, she, I mean, the girl that plays Zora, the way she plays Umbre is creepy. Really as creepy. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't put a lot of stock into child actors usually, but this girl, man, <laughs> chilling. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, she says that when she, when she gave birth to Jason and Red was giving birth to Pluto, she had to, they had to cut Pluto out of her. Yeah. And so basically, like, everything that Adelaide did in her life, Red did something similar, but it was miserable agony every step of the way. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the dynamic that is established. And so it just kind of seems like... I don't know. It, it it takes a while to figure out what it is really that they want. Yeah, because I, I mean, at one point, uh, Adelaide asked, "She's like, well, who are you?" And she says, "We're Americans." Yeah, which is pretty poignant. Yeah, I mean, when you when you get into the social context of this movie, like the kind of like the underlying themes. Yeah, which I think we'll get into it more later. But. Right, and we'll try. We're gonna have to be careful without giving away the ending and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do our best to be spoiler-free here. But so basically she just says, you know, well, we're going to we're going to kill you now. <laughs> she tells Zora, she's like, "Little girl, run." And then, you know, Umbre goes and chases her down cuz you know, they're sporting. <laughs> uh but, but then Jason and Pluto, she's like, "Well, you guys go play." And they do. They just like <laughs> go yeah. get in the uh pantry and they're just like sitting there showing off magic tricks and stuff to each other because mm-hmm. you know little kids are just gonna be little kids i guess apparently Pluto, pluto's really into fire yeah <laughs> pluto likes fire i mean a lot of little boys like fire and they never <clears throat> some some of them don't grow out of it <laughs> yeah and then gabe and abraham just kind of fist fight for a while uh also their their best friends uh tim and peggy also, it's, it's, I don't know how relevant this is, but Abraham is like nonverbal. All, all, all he can do is like groan and, and moan. Yeah. Um, it's weird. That's actually, well, all of them, except for Red. Yeah, I guess, but yeah. Red seems to be the only one that can actually speak, or the only one that does at least. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, but yeah, their their best friends are Josh and Kitty, played by Tim from Tim and Eric. Was it really? Yep. I didn't even recognize. I don't. I don't watch Tim and Eric because it's awful. It's but, terrible. Um, I did not recognize him at all. Yep. And then uh, Elizabeth Moss, who played Peggy in Mad Men, and their twin daughters, uh, Gwen and Maggie, played by Callie and Noel Sheldon, who, fun fact, played Emma on Friends. Really? Yep. Didn't know that. They were baby Emma. I'll be goddamned. Because apparently being a baby in a TV show always takes two. It's child labor laws. Is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, That's why they always hire twins for, for children. I did not know that. I thought it was just like in case one of them was being persnickety or something. <laughs> just bring in the other one. I mean, I guess with babies, it would be the case. Yeah. If, if, you know, if one's acting up, all right, bring in the other one. <laughs> 
but yeah, there's child labor laws. You know, child children can only work a certain number of hours. So work one twin to the bone, then you work the other one. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, so they're they're their best friends, and they. It's. We'll get into more of this later, but everything that the the Tylers, that's their name, have is just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. It's like their house is a little bit bigger, their boat's a little bit bigger, their car's right. a little bit better. Yeah, and I don't think it's by coincidence. No. Uh, but it's not to say that. Um, the Wilsons aren't. Uh, they they seem affluent. They're they seem oh, yeah. like a well. I mean, they they have a summer home and they and uh, you know Gabe buys a boat. It's a shitty old boat, but yeah, the crawdaddy. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Gabe was hilarious. Like yeah, he, he just was. had he all these really funny. like these terrible dad jokes, but they were fucking hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Uh, I already forgot his name. Josh's boat is called the Biatch. <laughs> That's so funny. As in be yacht. Yeah. I pointed that out to my wife, but it was hard like not to like laugh and be like, did you see that in the theater? Uh and their doppelgangers are super creepy. Like mm-hmm. Kitty's doppelganger is she's creepy. She is creepy. Is, I can't think of a better word to describe her. Uh, the, the the twins, man, those were they were yeah, fucking they were creepy. creepy. They're like doing cartwheels and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, then they come to find out that just basically everybody in the world has a doppelganger that has just emerged all of a sudden and they're just basically laying waste to the, to the human population. Yeah. And we don't like it. It's not expressly mentioned, uh, maybe a little at the end, but like, well, like how widespread it is. Yeah. It seems like this may be just be Santa Cruz right now. Right. Um, but we don't really know. Yeah. And just because it's pertinent, I mean, that's probably as far into the story as we'll get without, because we don't want to get into spoilers, but I think it's pertinent to mention that at one point they go back to the uh, the Hall of House of Mirrors, mm-hmm. and now it's Merlin's Forest. Was it? I didn't notice that. Yep. I'll be damned. Okay. Which... I, I definitely noticed it myself, but I didn't make the connection... And maybe it wasn't, I'm sure it was, but it, maybe it wasn't intentional. But I've seen people point out that it kind of is America's glossing over the genocide of the Native Americans. Considering it was a whole Native American thing before, and now it's just this cartoon wizard. I mean, maybe. It's, it seems like a bit of a reach to me. I mean, it was definitely done intentionally for some reason. I see it. I, I would see that more as like, Showing like a degree of political correctness. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that's part of it too. Because I don't, I don't know how keeping something as an, like with an offensive Indian chief full with like full feathered uh, headpiece and yeah, all that, that chief Wahoo kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know how that's being like paying tribute to the genocide of Indians. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just like the it was basically just saying that you know that we just kind of cover it up and bury it and pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I read it. It wasn't something, wasn't my idea. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. I don't know that that was necessarily the case, though. Yeah. Seems like a bit of a reach. I don't know. I mean, Jordan Peele is definitely the kind of 
writer and director who would put those kind of things in. Yeah, I mean, you know, just Get Out alone just showed that it's got a lot of multi-layered stuff. You, you have to... You can't just take it at surface, as, at face value. I mean, you really have to peel things back and, and look at deeper meanings. And for me, at least, this one didn't... Like, I... I had to like think about it afterwards and like I was, you know, talking with my wife about it before the, it really started to make sense, you know? Yeah. Like the deeper meaning wasn't all that apparent to me well, yeah, as I mean, watching it. Get out is it's very obvious it's about race. Right. This one, yeah, it's a little bit more vague. Mm-hmm. What what did you come away with? Um ultimately, after like, you know, talking it through, is about uh social classes. Yeah, that's what I got to. Classism. Yeah. Which, you know, like I said, the, the Tylers who are white, everything they have is just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, even within the Wilsons, you know, you've got the Wilsons and then the, let's say, anti-Wilsons. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Tethereds. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, to, at least to me, it was pretty clear it was a lower class versus upper class kind of kind yeah. of thing. And then the lower class starting to kind of, you know, have this uprising. Yeah. Starting, starting a class war basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, it, like I said, it, I, I think I did the same thing with get out where it's like, like you said, it, obviously get out was a lot about race, but you know, once, once you walk away from it and you can think about it for a day or two or even longer, you know, you, you talk to other people about it. You read articles about it and stuff, and you think about all like the social significance of it and just all that. All the pieces, really, like all the little things that you missed when you're watching it on screen, they all kind of come together and they start, you know, putting together this <laughs> this meal, I guess. Stew, yeah, baby, you got a stew going. <laughs> um, and I, I think it's fair. To not get it at first. Because it's really hard to watch a movie and absorb what you're actually watching on screen uh, while you're trying to pick it apart at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, I mean, I walked out of that theater being like, man, that wasn't as good as Get Out. Which, I think I still feel that way. I, I think I still feel like good Get Out was much better i disagree really yeah yeah well um but like i said after being able to think about it think about you know putting things in context talking talking about it with my wife you know getting different opinions and and that that kind of stuff kind of it kind of raised my opinion of it just because it, it while while it may have not had a lot of stuff at face value i mean it was there was stuff there there was substance to it obviously but it's kind of it like kind of builds up, it builds itself out as you think about it. Yeah. Um. Hmm. <laughs> it's funny. Like I keep seeing people being like, "I didn't." This movie was so confusing to me, and I'm like, "I don't think it was confusing." Like I understand, you know, like yeah, there's layers to it, and there's more to unpack, but I don't think any of it was confusing, really. I'd like to know what what people were confused by. Yeah. I thought it was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I can understand having, like like I've been talking about, having to think it, think about it and 
unpack it. As yeah, and get deeper meanings and stuff like that. But like on a superficial level, I don't understand what's confusing. Yeah. And I see the, all these like us ending explained and I'm like, who, who didn't get it? <laughs> the, uh, the way Hands Across America played into it, it's like if you're like of our generation or younger, you kind of have to read into what Hands, Hands Across America was to get it. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, like for you or I, it's like that happened when we were infants. Right. Um, and it's like we, I guess we all kind of knew, like, I don't, I don't know how much you knew about it. I always knew about it in the back of my head, had kind of a vague understanding of it. But I guess it wasn't really until I saw this that I even bothered to see what Hands Across America was. <laughs> yeah, like I knew of the concept and I knew that it didn't fully work, right. but I didn't actually ever know what the purpose was. Right. Did you, I assume you yeah. looked into it. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, once you do, it really plays into the theme of the movie. Yeah. Um, tenuously, though. Yeah, like, for it's, sure. It's not, it's not like a, oh, I get it now. Yeah. You, you still have to find some deeper meaning in it, I guess. And I think what I found so funny about all these people who are saying, like, they didn't get it and all these, you know, us ending explained is I was, as I'm watching it, I'm like, man, this is really straightforward and it's really like a simple story. Like, what do we always say, Tony? Keep it simple, stupid. Oh yeah. We do say that. And I was like, oh, they're doing that. They're keeping it simple. It's, (laughs) you know, it's in a movie like this with doppelgangers, it's, it's really easy to get into a like, oh, now you're a Cylon. Now you're a Cylon, you know? (laughs) Now I'm a Cylon. I didn't even know it. <laughs> but they didn't get into all these like stupid twists and, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. And I was like, oh, good. They're, they're just, you know, we don't need a ton of backstory. There is a good deal of exposition going into the backstory towards the end. But, you know, it wasn't something that you didn't need to know everything about who these people were and where they came from and everything. You, you, I feel like you got just enough of what you need. Yeah. They could and, have gone into it a lot more. They could have made up even more backstory, but they didn't need to. Some of it's kind of weird and silly and mostly unbelievable. Yeah. But, I mean, think about Get Out. A lot of that was pretty off the wall. Sure, too. yeah. Um, like, I mean, I won't... I think everybody in the world has seen Get Out, but just in case, like, what you find out towards the end, you know, what they're doing, it's like, that doesn't happen. No. Yeah, both these movies kind of dabble in sci-fi. Yeah. It's like, unless Jordan Peele is privy to something that the rest of the public isn't, and <laughs> that kind of shit doesn't happen. Um, I love that, like, you know, he called Get Out a social thriller, and people started being like, oh, well, this thriller movie, you know, and it's this drama, and <laughs> Jordan Peele straight up was like, no, Us is a horror movie. Yeah. Like, just stop acting like horror is a bad word. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Like really sticking to his guns and like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I personally thought this was better than get out. I, I feel like, um, it was a more, um, not more fleshed out, but just a more, I don't know what I'm trying to say. This, the story was more coherent, I guess. Like it, I don't know if coherence, even the right word, but it just seemed more, um, like he he knew exactly everything that he wanted. 
and he got everything in this story. Mm-hmm. Whereas Get Out, he just it almost felt like he just kind of had an end point and he had to get there. That's fair. Not to badmouth Get Out, because I mean, people who listen to our review know I, I love that movie, mm-hmm. and I think it is incredibly well done. I just I think this one the the story is is better. That's, I mean, that's fair. I to, to each their own. I I think as a film as a whole, uh, I just I like to get out better. Um, but this one was well, you're wrong. Fuck you. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, it's like I you know I, I walked out of because I saw this with my wife and my parents, and um. You know, I walked out kind of in you know, undecided. I'm like, I don't really know what I thought of that. It's like. It kind of seemed like it wasn't all that great, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, my wife really liked it, and both of my parents thought it sucked. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> it's all a matter of how you interpret it, I guess. I guess so. And how, how willing you are to look deeper into it. Yeah. Some people... I mean, not that there's anything wrong with this, but some people just want to go to a theater and just watch the movie. Usually, I'm one of those, but I know with a Jordan Peele movie, just you know, with Get Out setting the example, that with a Jordan Peele movie, I know there's got to be you know deeper meaning stuff that I'm going to have to think about, yeah, um, in order to appreciate it. Um. I mean, this also isn't a movie that has a ton of just like bang, bang, action, action, action mm-hmm. either. So, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't want to sit through a story to get to the the blood and guts and action explosions, whatever. Yeah. This this movie is, it's a very tense movie. It, it focuses a lot more on tension and atmosphere than uh, than like Get Out or other more palatable horror movies. Well, even Get Out, I think, was less more less uh, effects and action driven, more more story driven than a lot of horror films. Yeah, um, and you know, not not saying that that's a bad thing. I mean, like everybody, anybody that listens to the show knows that I love me some gore, and like I, I'll love a, a movie that's just some brainless violence, but. There's there's a place in the world for movies like this too. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one thing I would have liked to have seen more of, more gore and some maybe not more violence, but there's a fair amount of it. There's a fair amount of blood. That's true, but I mean, I don't know that it really had a place in this movie. I mean, the only one that I can really like that stands out. I don't know that that's actually. I guess that's not really a spoiler. When Kitty gets killed, mm. I would have liked to have seen what they were preparing us for. Sure. Anyway. Anything else to add? Uh, I don't think so. Like, like I said, you know, it, I, I didn't care for the very end. And we talked about this before we got on the mic. So, you know, we obviously we're not going to give anything away. Yeah. But. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't. The problem was is that I saw it coming like towards the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And through the whole movie, I'm just like, okay, I really hope they don't 
do what I'm expecting. They don't do the thing, and then they do, and they then do they the, thing. the thing. Um, so that yeah, that was kind of disappointing, but that wasn't really the most important part of the movie. So yeah, whatever. Anyway. Which in itself kind of makes you go, well, then why they even do it? True. Yeah. But uh, I mean, we we can talk about this when we're when we're done here. There there might be some stuff to unpack about that specifically. Um, but yeah, we can talk about that off mic. Anyway, um, was Jason autistic? Was Jason autistic? Yeah. I don't think so. Just the whole thing, like with the werewolf mask. And oh, there's a tie in. Ah. <laughs> he, like, you know, he had this wolfman mask and he was very kind of socially awkward. Was it? I, I kept seeing it thinking it was Chewbacca. Oh, maybe it was. I, I, I don't really know. Just it had fa- little fangs, though. I thought it was a wolfman. Whatever. But I, I mean, it doesn't really matter either way if he was or wasn't, but that was just the impression that I got. Because like I said, he was very socially awkward and, you know, he had like his magic tricks and stuff that he was Mm -hmm. very into. He he may have been. I didn't really pick up on it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a a point of anything. It was, you know, even if he was, they wasn't, it wasn't like they made a a big deal out of it. Tweet, uh, tweet it. Peel. Ask him if uh, Jason was on the spectrum. He might answer. He tends to respond to people. Hmm. Um... So yeah, I mean, I gave Get Out a 9, and I'm saying this is better in my mind, but I, I can't give it a 10, um, because we don't do that here. <laughs> because I feel, reasons. I feel like you can't give a new movie a 10. Like, it has to be something that, I think the test of time really kind of is something that will lead to our first 10 if we ever give one. I suppose. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give it a 9. What did I give a get out? I think you gave it an eight. Did I? I think so. Because I was thinking about thinking about eight for this too. You know, if I were to have rated it fresh out of the theater, I probably would have given it a six. This? Yeah. You did give get out an eight. I did. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if I would have just given you my rating, like right as I walked out of the theater, I would have probably said six. Interesting. But, yeah, I mean, but that's that's how much influence, like, being able to think about it and talk it through with, with people afterwards. Yeah, you kind of got to let it percolate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, this the movie kind of plants a seed, and you got to let it, you got to let it grow. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I think I'll probably give this an eight too. So. That's a strong recommend from the Great Flop Podcast for us. Yeah. And, you know, I remember at some point, I think probably when they announced this movie and we first talked about it on the show, uh, or maybe it was Twilight Zone or something, and something Jordan Peele related. Uh, I remember saying, it's like, you know, everybody's calling Jay, or Jordan Peele like this next master of horror, but he's done one movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little premature. It's like, I want to see him do this, you know, another time and another time after that. And once he can like build this track record of making like these really successful thought provoking horror films, um, then that's when I'll say, yeah, man, this guy, he might be the next face of horror. 
Yeah, like I had a friend ask me, he was like, so is Jordan Peele the new master of horror? And I was like, it's still a really small sample size. Yeah. I mean, we'll see like, well, probably not going to see Twilight Zone because it's on that stupid all access. I know. I'm not, I'm not going to pay for it. I know. It makes me so angry. <laughs> I, I fucking refuse. Um, it's like uh, they ran a trailer for it before us. Um, and my dad turned to me. He's like, do you have all access? Fuck no. I'm going to pay for CBS. He's he's like, yeah, CBS, you put out these shitty shows for senior citizens and then you make it, you charge us for the good shit. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, exactly. Fuck them. Um, anyway, so yeah, I'll probably never watch Twilight Zone unless I find, so he puts on YouTube or something. Might try and see if I can find somebody else who already has all access for whatever reason. Good luck. There are like a million other channels I'd rather pay for before yeah. that. Um, but, you know, uh, get out us. Let's see, you know, Candyman. Let's see what, where that goes. And, you know, he's not directing that, though. Oh, it's true. Well, I mean, you know, even even if we don't watch Twilight Zone, I'm sure we'll hear plenty about it. Um, so if you could set a standard... You know, like I said, establish a track record. He's earned the benefit of the doubt, at least. Oh yeah, at this point. Um, so, am I? Will I say that he's the you know the new master of horror? No. Yeah, I'm still not there. I will say that he has made a strong case for himself. Yeah. So he's definitely more. Uh, more do that title than fucking James Wan. Yes, for sure. Um, anyway, so that's it, guys. Yep, that's going to wrap it up. Um, we're going to be back with you in a couple weeks where we will bring you a, a brand new, fresh episode. Two more hours of us, not the movie, just <laughs> us, like like the two of us here. Yeah. If you, you, know, if you want. <laughs> We'll be here either way. <laughs> if you want to, you know, come party with us. <laughs> uh, it's going to be episode 131. What are we going to be watching? Uh, it's going to be a second salute to Stephen King films. That's right. As we're going to be talking about Misery as well as the brand new Pet Cemetery. Oh, yeah. I'm hearing some positive things about that. Me too. So we'll see how it holds up. All right, guys. Um, and it's written by Jeff. Never gets old. All right, guys. In two weeks, we'll be with you again, Taylor. Till then, where can they find us? They can find us wherever they get their podcasts, as long as that place is in Spotify. If you leave us a rating and review, send us an email. Let us know. We will drop you some free gear. Not gear, not shirts and anything. That's shit's expensive. That's but expensive. we got magnets. We'll give you some magnets. That's cool. We got hella magnets. Uh, also, check us out at graveplotpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, or no, Facebook and Instagram as graveplotpodcast, Twitter as grave underscore plot. And of course, if you want some exclusive content in exchange for very little money, head over to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see you next time, guys. Till then, I'm Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. Oh,
Crack the phone. 